of our vision for ministry to the children here in our church family and incarnation. So according to a Barna group study, about two-thirds of people who decide to trust and follow Jesus make that commitment before the age of 18, which means that possibly the most strategic opportunity for evangelism and discipleship that we have as a congregation is to invest in the lives of our children and teens who make up about a quarter of our community. So how do we do that? Well, first we listen to Paul. Paul says to the Thessalonians, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That's how we do it. We share with them the gospel of God and our lives. So last fall, I talked about our threefold strategy for doing this. It's in our new fancy children's ministry brochure, which Cassidy has made for us. You should find it in the back. Um, and the longer version podcast is still available on our website, but let me briefly recap that for you now. Um, we want the children of incarnation to, three things, to have a good, healthy, beautiful experience of Christian community um, here at Incarnation. In other words, we want them to know we are Christians by our love. It's not just what children hear, but what they overhear that shapes their picture of God's character and his kingdom. So we want them to watch people in our community love each other well, even when it's hard and messy. Secondly, we want them to hear stories of what God has done in our lives. The Bible said that believers overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. This pattern of sharing specific stories of what God has done in our lives is evident throughout the Old and New Testament as the way that trust in the living God gets passed on. And this is why we started our question project, right? Which we're gonna pick up again next Sunday. It gives a way for all of us, not just parents and children's church leaders, all of us to share with the children the stories of what God has done for us. Third strategy, we invite kids to share with us in kingdom life, in kingdom life and worship and service. We do a lot of our worshiping and praying and serving together rather than consistently sending the children away. And all kids ages 10 and up are invited onto ministry teams with us. So we currently have our tweens serving on prayer teams, on hospitality teams, <laughs> serving as greeters and readers, children's helpers, and active members of our missional communities. Incarnation children have walked the streets of this neighborhood on prayer walks. Um, along with us, they've knocked on the doors of our neighbors to invite them to church. Jesus said, let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Belongs to such as these. In other words, they own the kingdom. And we adults are not even allowed in, Jesus says, until we become like them. So yes, they get to do all the kingdom stuff with us, to serve the community, to use their spiritual gifts, to invite people into the kingdom. We've got to let them in on the best parts of life in the kingdom, the real joy and work of kingdom community, so that they develop an appetite for the adventure of doing all their lives together with other brothers and sisters in Jesus. So that's our threefold strategy. But this morning, I want to speak a little more specifically about the role of parents in children's spiritual growth and the way that we as a church want to partner with them to serve them in that. So parents, my guess is that most of you have made three public vows in your lives. 
before God. First, at your baptism or confirmation, when you renounced Satan and evil and sin, and you promised to trust Jesus as your Savior and obey him as your Lord. Second, at your wedding, when you promised to love your spouse through thick and thin until death parted you. And third, at your children's baptism or dedication, when you promised that you would, with God's help, do two things. This is straight out of the prayer book, okay? Um, that you would be responsible for seeing that the child you present is brought up in the Christian faith and life. And that by your prayers and witness, you would help this child to grow into the full stature of Christ. So how are we doing on those promises? Let me speak autobiographically for just a moment. I have never made a public vow to listen to the news every day. And yet I do it. I've never made a promise before God to faithfully pour a cup of afternoon coffee. <laughs> or to stay on top of the laundry. Or to go jogging a couple times a week or to make sure that my kids have rides to their extracurricular activities. Yet all of those things have become habits for me. So here's the question. Are our vows, our three public vows before God, translating into daily habits? Mm -hmm. And if so, do are we treating them like our most important habits, like the non-negotiable habits? Now I'm, I'm meddling here. But for most of us parents, the answer would probably be yes and no. There are some ways in which we've learned to do this, and there are ways in which we need to reevaluate our family routines according to the promises that we've made. So I want to zero in for a minute on these promises about our children. The promise we made that we, by our prayers and witness, would help our children to grow into the full stature of Christ. Now, John and I have personally been experiencing a lot of conviction and repentance on this front, which is probably why it's on the brain for me. Um, so here's what I want to say to the parents this morning. We, Incarnation, we are with you. This um, parenting disciples thing is probably one of the hardest and most important tasks that Jesus will ever give you. And I would venture to say that parenting has only gotten way more complicated in this country since we were all kids. But we're with you. We want to help you keep your promises. And honestly, I want to make it as easy for you as possible. It's hard to know how to talk with your kids about your spiritual life, about your walk with the Lord. That's why we're doing this question project thing, to give you specific prompts to share your faith and your stories with your kids. What was one time that God provided for you? What's your favorite thing about Jesus? What is one specific prayer that the Lord has answered? We want to make it easy and organic for you to talk about spiritual things with your children. So use this tool. Or find another one that works for your family. But we'll do anything to make this work for you, right? I can give each of your kids two passports. One to live at church, one to live at home. Uh, I will personally provide M&Ms if you want to incentivize your children to ask these questions to every Christian who walks through your front door. Um, let us help you make these conversations happen because we're convinced that this is the most effective biblical pattern for passing along real trust in the living God. Um, it's hard to know how to read and discuss, discuss the scriptures as a whole family. We've tried a thousand things. It's hard. But that's why we've decided that all of us together on Sunday morning are going to learn from the same scriptures every week. That's why the teaching that the kids receive on Sunday mornings happens right here in your presence during the children's sermon. They go off and do some activities to reinforce it. But we want you to overhear it so that we can have some shared vocabulary and shared images to build on. 
That's why we started to send out these little table talk prompts for your families to use, to follow up about the, t the passages that we've looked at together on Sundays. We wanna make it doable at least once a week for you to read the Bible as a family and talk about it together. I was just on Peter and Nomi's porch last night listening to the testimony of an FSU student. And um, he was talking about going to church, very liturgical church his whole life. And, um, and he looked at us and said, but we never talked about Jesus. Like, I don't think we ever talked about the Bible at dinner. <laughs> that was, those were his exact words. And I thought, as a, as a young man who's actually come to faith now, he's looking back and thinking, why didn't we ever talk about the Bible at dinner? It's hard. Another thing that's hard on your own is to get your kids to connect in significant ways with other saints. So let them join a ministry team where they can share and bond with and learn from people who aren't their parents. When people ask my mom why she thinks her kids are still following Jesus, first she says, grace. I don't know. But one of her other answers is that we knew so many other awesome Christian adults that when we had hard years, usually hard adolescent years, and we were kind of done with our parents, that didn't translate into being done with Jesus because we were surrounded by so many other people who thought that he was awesome and worth it. So please make the most of these tools and opportunities because they're supposed to make it doable for you to keep your promises. Now, you might have other ways of doing these things or other spiritual disciplines as a family that are working really well for you, in which case, awesome, go for it. Please tell us what they are. Um, but if you're not reading the Bible with your kids and you're not sharing your own walk with Jesus with them on a regular basis, please consider committing this year to make the most of these tools. And let us know if they're not working for you. you need, well, then we'll need to tweak them. John and I have been trying some new other new family spiritual disciplines that have actually stuck longer than most of them normally do. Um, so we can brainstorm with you about other things that might work for your family. Um, I just want to add a quick word to the parents of toddlers, because we actually have a lot of babies and toddlers in this con congregation. Um, it's never too early to start this stuff. In fact, the sooner you put these family spiritual disciplines into place, the easier it is, the less pushback you'll get. When Benjamin was about one and a half, I started reading the Gospel of Mark to him while he ate his lunch every day in his high chair. I was kind of bored. <laughs> and I figured it would at least be good for me. But he was taking in more than I thought. One day, um, when at dinner, I put a bottle of mustard on the table. And he pointed to it and said, mustard, just like Jesus said. <laughs> I didn't realize at the time that somehow he had remembered Jesus' words about faith as small as a mustard seed, and he realized in that moment, mustard was a real thing. <laughs> so um, here's the deal. Children don't grow in the faith by graduating from one thing and moving on to the next. C.S. Lewis says that children don't grow like a train leaving one station and arriving in the next station. They grow like a tree adding rings. So we circle and we recircle the same truths with our children, the same prayers, the same liturgy, the same Bible stories, and they are gradually their understanding of them grows. So Benjamin understands a lot more now about Jesus' metaphor of the mustard seed, but I didn't have to wait till he was 12 to introduce it. I recently heard one pastor speak about exposing children to worship and prayer and scriptures even when they were young. And some people argue, they're just too little, it's kind of over their heads. And he responded, I'm gonna quote him here, it's supposed to be over their heads, they're beginners. 
The English language is over their heads when they come out of the womb, but we don't say, let's just put them in a room with other children with their own limitations. They can speak a few words. <laughs> no, we immerse them in the English language every day. Um, and for a long time, they don't understand most of it, but we expect them to kind of grow into joyful understanding and use of the language. So it's never too early to start these patterns of prayer and Bible study and spiritual conversation in your home. Children grow like trees adding rings. And very fi finally, a very brief word to those of you who aren't parents. You guys made a promise to our children at the time of their baptisms and dedications as well. Do you remember? You were asked, will you who witness these vows do all in your power to support these persons in their life in Christ? And you said, yeah, we, we will. Are. Yeah. So here's what's in your power. Be ready to share your stories with the kids. Think about the question project questions ahead of time. Come sit at the passport table and coffee hour for five minutes. We're making it easy for you. <laughs> I'm not asking you to volunteer for a million things. Come sit with them for five minutes, share your stories. I don't think that's probably beyond anybody's capacity. And then secondly, I want some of you to think about serving the children during Children's Church once a month. We still need a few people to do that. We may need some more later this year um, when we're ready to split that group into two. So let me know if that's something you could do. It may be, according to Barna, the most promising evangelistic opportunity you have to hold out the word of life to these children during this window in their lives. Thank you. Hand over to you, babe.